before you even ask me what I did for New Year's Eve, I'll tell you the same thing I do every single night. Get three hours of pre-sleep on the couch before waking up at 1230 to get an additional seven hours in the bed. How much champagne was consumed, Elle? Zero champagne. That's the Mm -hmm. worst part. Welcome to the Elle Duncan Show 2024 edition. The first of the new year. It's been days. Gary Streisky. I've missed talking with you. Um, (laughs) It feels like it's been far too long. Just because of different issues, uh, you completely forgetting to bring all of your equipment uh, to New Hampshire, which was problematic, except for that I've done that before. So I couldn't even be mad at you uh, about that. And um, yeah, a lot of things have happened in the sports space. And we'll get to all of those things because the NFC East is wilding. Okay. The Broncos are a hot mess. Kirby Smart is screaming, fix this. We've got a national championship that's going to be set tonight. And we're handing out some superlatives from 2023 as we officially put it in the books. How you doing? That's quite the rundown that we have here, Elle. Uh, And it's wonderful to see you again as well. And I do apologize for my mishap last week when I was, uh, I've, I've assumed now the role of host when families come around for the holidays, I'll be yeah. 37 in a couple of weeks. So I had mm-hmm. a realization like, oh man, I'm the person who's supposed to just give the gifts and not get any in return. And then when I texted you, Christina and Sarah last week, when we had a, a scheduled episode Thursday and everybody was like, hey, are we still good for 10 a.m.? Uh, I was just waking up and that's when I realized, oh my gosh, yeah, I forgot all of my stuff in Connecticut. And here's the thing. And then I sent the text. And then I immediately regretted. I was like, oh my gosh, it's so hard wrangling six family members. And then as soon as I sent that, I forgot that I was sending it to a mother who wrangled. These times are always really good too, because in our space in sports, like by the time we've reached Christmas, everybody is limping to the finish line, right? Like you are so, you're going to get a little extra juice and a little boost because you've got the national championship coming up. And then of course you've got playoff NFL football. So that's going to give you sort of what you need to get over the finish line. But man, when December hits, you are just desperate for a break. And it actually Mm -hmm. works out really well because you spend tons of time with your family, which of course always leads you to want to run in the other direction and back towards work. So with that, there was so much that was sort of happening. There were so many times where I was like, man, I wish I had, you know, a show where I could talk about these things. Oh, wait, I do. It's called Sports Center. (laughs) Five days a week. (laughs) Right. I was off of Sports Center for a week. We weren't doing this show. I just had so many hot takes I wanted to get off and everyone said them instead. but I have to say that when it comes to the Eagles, okay, oh gosh, who started out the season ten and one, Gare Bear, and have gone one and four since, blowing it yesterday to the lowly Cardinals. It's weird, and it's on brand, Gary. The Eagles are flying just into a sliding glass door. Yeah, yeah, their vision should be better than that. The NFC East is wiling out Gary. I mean, 
When you think about all of the things that have had to happen over the last, what, 72 odd hours Mm -hmm. for the Dallas Cowboys to be one win over the crappy commanders away from winning the division, it's absolutely insane. First of all, yes, it took the Eagles' ridiculous slide to happen over the last three weeks. All they had to do over the last three weeks, Scare Bear, was beat the Giants. Easy. Not so fast, said Tarod Taylor. Okay. Fine. Birds of a feather. No, we're not. We don't flock together. The Cardinals are yep. Except the Cardinals come back. Okay. And all they have to do is beat one of those teams and they win the division. And instead we get Saturday, Gary, we get Saturday Cowboys taking on the lions In Mm -hmm. one of the most bizarre endings to a football game, not just this season, that we have ever seen, Gary. These part-time refs, man, are going to get fired from their part-time job if they keep blowing it like this, L. But think about the unlikeliness, again, of how we got here. Cowboys went away from going to the division. They had to face a Lions team with a coach who decided four times that he was going to go for a two-point conversion. Four times this man said, do it again. That in and of itself is absolutely insane. And then, of course, the officials had to absolutely botch that play, which would have won the game in one of the most mind-boggling exchanges that we've seen. And to me, what's more surprising, and again, we're taping this on Monday, January the 1st at about 12.15, 12.20. As of right now, there is still nothing really from the NFL Beyond, well, I thought that the one guy said that he was the guy and I didn't see the other guy say that he was the guy. And so, oops, my bad. Can you protest this game? If you're the Lions, is there any course of action beyond what we've heard right now, which is basically a bunch of Lions trying to tiptoe around a potential fine by saying the officiating blew it? What I do know, and I don't know if I'll get fined for this, but I do know that Decker reported. I do know that Dan Skipper did not. And I do know that they said that Dan Skipper did. So it's unfortunate. I don't know why Jared Goff is so like tippid to say what we all know should be said was that the rest blew it. Uh, they're, they're, they're twisting the words from the eligible offensive linemen and they blew it. The NFL has relegated these this officiating crew, which, by the way, has like a combined multiple decades worth of experience part time, albeit uh, relegate them to the point where they don't get any playoff games. But that's too late, too sorry. That doesn't help the Lions. I don't know why they're tiptoeing around the bush. The refs blew it. The NFL, the fix is in. You think the Cowboys were going to lose on Jimmy Johnson night? Oh, there he Come goes. on. Come on. There he goes. Come yes, on. Yeah. It's listen, it is one of those. I keep laughing and thinking about Patrick Mahomes going nuclear on the refs for something that his guy actually did and how the lions, even Taylor Decker, who sort of also tiptoed around, like, listen, I'm not trying to get fined for talking about officiating, but I did exactly what I was told to do. The video evidence supports that too, which is nuts. We've got, there's video evidence. I mean, it just, it feels as though, and listen, if you're the lions, you're not playing for anything. Yeah. They won the division, but of course you're still playing for playoff seating. And if you're the Eagles fans, 
Yeah. Are you a little bit mad at your own team for spitting the bit? Sure. But you're watching the Cowboys benefit from a situation that was so clearly and blatantly, obviously the wrong call. But again, there is the part of you that says he chose to go for it again, though, Gary. And here's the thing. The Cowboys weren't stopping the Lions to close out that game. So you kick it. You live to fight another day. You go to overtime. Maybe you get the coin toss. You drive down the field. You score. You win. You got to wonder if at some point you look at Dan Campbell and you go, you know, it doesn't feel like the cards are in it for this two-point conversion. By the third time, maybe we try for something else. I think they understand, though, Dan Campbell, understanding that the Cowboys are a home team. And it's just like, you know, the move that we've seen so oftentimes on so many different levels from visiting teams trying to swing momentum because, you know, if you take a particular team that by the numbers, the Cowboys stink on the road and they're not juggernaut, but they are so good at home. You have to strike while you have the opportunity. And I think the Lions, by all accounts, they had it. I mean, they literally they literally won the game had it not been for a miscommunication uh, from the referees. And I think it's an issue because the Lions last week, they won the division. They're going to host a home playoff game for the first time in the history of Ford Field being an actual building in 2002. So they they sort of have this, you talk about America's team, they sort of have like this, 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 this nationwide swell of support behind them that everybody wanted to see them go into Dallas, knock off the Cowboys, drop them a couple of pegs, and this Lions story continues to elevate. And now... We don't get that. We get to talk about how the rest blew it. And some people think it's an inside job. Though some people's names might rhyme with Larry and Harry and Gary. I yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, listen, we, we all know it's fun fodder. This, there's not like a huge ploy to keep someone out. I mean, that's absolutely ridiculous. Like the, the specificity of that as well. Ooh, I, if you're work. Dan Campbell, if you're Dan Campbell, you're more upset because according to him, he explained the entire trick play to them before the game. Like, Hey, this is a thing that we could potentially be doing. And so they had this heads up um, initially, but I do think that like, again, the idea that it could have benefited greatly in the playoff conversation mm. is so bananas to me because all the Cowboys have to do now is beat the commanders, a team who has nothing to play for, whose coaches are all getting fired, depending on who you're listening to. And that's all they have to do. And this Eagles who listen, have a lot of problems to fix in and of themselves, but they are now watching their opportunity. The one seed's gone. But they're now watching their opportunity even when the division uh, evaporate because of a botched call. And, you know, these things are huge in particular at the end of the season. We're going to see all of these, you know, deep introspects and editorial ops on exactly what you said. Bad officiating. How many blown calls have we seen? How much are they inserting themselves into these games? And um, But ultimately, this is one of those situations where the Lions have every reason just to feel completely devastated by what happened. And the NFL has to eat it. I mean, the and NFL has to come out and say it. And it does have some repercussions. I'm just taking a look at, as it stands, the 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 playoff seating as it would look. You know, of course, we still have week 18 to get through. But with that loss, the Lions did win the conference, but they are the three seed in the NFC, which would mean that they would have to play the Rams team, who by all accounts 
Nobody wants it with them. They're clicking on a bunch of different cylinders. Their offense looks good. Matt Stafford is rejuvenated. Let's not talk about Puka Doncic and what he's doing. Their ground game is fantastic. Um, Otherwise, if they would have been in a position, I'm talking about the Lions, to get a possible two seed, you know, with San Francisco having that bye week, then they play the Packers, a team that they would be very familiar with. Yeah. A team that they would have to welcome into Ford Field for the third time they would play this season. Um, a, a much more familiar foe for the Lions had they been the two seed going up against a seven as opposed to the Lions in the three seed right now having to take on a very, very prickly Rams team. I think it was, I think it was, was it Booger McFarlane? No, no, no. It was Damian Woody, I think, on Sports Center a couple of uh not too long ago that said that that's the one team in the NFC he wouldn't want to see in the playoffs is the Rams. So yeah, it's definitely got some repercussions aside from just Oh, man, that sucks. Saturday night. Yeah, we'll see the ripple effect. Now we get what we always want, which is the divisions are coming down to the final week of the uh, season, which is always a great thing. Um, As for everything else, there was the best. There was wacky. There was controversy. And then there was just like, you know, the quick hitters. It's time for too long. Didn't watch NFL week 17. L, I'm taking us all the way back to Thursday, where, yes, the Browns, they won again. This is a team who lost their best player in week two in Nick Chubb. But the way Joe Flacco has been playing lately, there are many healthy Chubbs back in Cleveland, baby. We're going to the playoffs. Okay. Do you know what Chubb means? Okay. <laughs> well, I don't know. You, you're deer in the headlights, L. Back to too long, didn't watch. The Chiefs rebounded from their Christmas loss to the Raiders by telling the Burlis Bengals to kiss my butt. Literally, they all need to kiss Harrison's butker. His oh. six field goal performance was the difference maker, and their offense is still a problem. Kiss my butt. The Bears are like the New Year's resolutions of football. They got a whole list of things that'll make them better, but they'll probably just ignore it and hate themselves in a year for it. The Bears beat the Falcons. And yes, I do have to elaborate a little bit on this because the Bears are closing out the season strong. Justin Fields is looking like a really good quarterback, so they're probably not going to draft a quarterback in Drake May or Caleb Williams. Although I do like the idea of bringing Marvin Harrison Jr. to Chicago, go opposite DJ Moore, keep Justin Fields. And I think Chicago might have themselves a football team, L, but too soon to tell yeah um they did clinch they secured the number one overall pick because carolina secured the worst record in the nfl and they have their pick and they did i'm not gonna lie watching the bears beat the falcons was criminal literally all i wanted was atlanta to stage a kidnapping of justin fields and keep him home Just keep him. Just take it him back down. It makes so much sense. Yeah. Let him yeah. go home. The Bears don't really love Justin Fields. Like mm-hmm. maybe, you know, he did kind of what we expected Jalen Hurts to do last year, where we were going into the season, going, "Is he the guy? Is he the guy?" Yeah. And we kind of thought Jalen Hurts would do a little bit, but not enough to maybe solidify that. He played gangbusters, right? Yes. He was like, "I'm going to be your guy for the future." They locked him up. They gave him the long-term deal. Justin Fields, like two straight years of sort of going. I really do think it depends on how the draft evaluation process goes and whether they think 
that they're better to start over there. I'm inclined to believe that they are not. I think Justin Fields has shown over the last six or seven games that he's, you know, part of their future. But man, if you're the Falcons, yeah, I'm saying catch a case, man, he's worth it. I think it's. I think for Justin Fields, it's going to just be a financial thing. You can get the same production seemingly from a Drake May or Caleb Williams on a rookie contract as opposed to now Justin Fields entering what will be his fifth season. So you have to sign him to a starting quarterback extension in the NFL. And that is five, six, seven X what it's going to be to just take a quarterback in the first round. Um, so yeah, some, 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 some interesting decisions. Uh, for Bears Brass. Okay, Jacksonville blanked the Panthers 26-0. Bryce Young had a hard time hitting his targets. Unlike Panthers owner David Tepper, who had 100% accuracy with the drink that he threw (laughs) on Jags fans. What a punk, dude. That guy sucks, man. Well, you're the one always saying this, they need to be jagging on, you know? True. Doused them with liquid. That was his version of it. Um, That guy is a mess, bruh. Yes. They are for sure the worst organization. Now that Dan Snyder is no longer in the NFL, they're the worst organization in the league. Like, no hope of a future. He keeps firing everybody in season, year after year. He did it with Frank Reich this year, Matt Rule last year. They swung and missed on what um, it looks like they swung and missed on Bryce Young. I mean, it's just a it's a bad sitch there. Um, and he's you know what? In fact, maybe he wasn't throwing a drink at a fan. Maybe he was just identifying a new coaching candidate. You <laughs> rent. Do you want to turn? <laughs> Don't buy. Listen, whatever the case may be, if I get hit by anything. Uh, a by an owner? By Can a you imagine? Yo. Yeah. You know how sharp that ice cube was? You know how rock solid that ice cube that hit me in the temple and nearly caused me death and paralysis 100%. was? Yeah. yeah. That's caught on video? Yeah. You got caught on video? Yeah. <laughs> Ever since David Tepper hit me with a cup of ice, Every time I hear ice clanking inside yes. of a cup, I get emotional distress and I pass out. I've had a phobia of water. I've not bathed in weeks. I'm dehydrated. Yeah, it's like I have rabies, but I don't have rabies because I have aquaphobia now. I can't be near it. So there goes swimming in the summer, okay? I can't even walk through the lotion aisle at CVS because of aqua four. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I have another too long didn't watch in the vein of the season we just came out of because Lord knows we didn't hear enough Christmas music, but it's going. Yes. Ready? Rudolph the Journeyman back up. Had a very solid day. Steelers beat up the Seahawks, keeping playoff hopes in play. Here we go. That's I mean that's it. I don't like do a whole verse like I did before. Oh. Just because I'm just like, you know, I'm tired of giving away all these verses for free. You know what I mean? Yesterday's price ain't today's price. True. I'm different. I'm changed. My resolution this year is that people are going to start paying me for these rhymes, for these wars. I'm not going to just give them away. And if I was, I would do it on SoundCloud, not on this show. So there. Okay, here we go. Um, The Eagles lost their fourth game in five tries, this time to the Cardinals. What was even more shocking to me 
Y'all know Julio Jones was on the team? No. <laughs> two catches, two touchdowns, one stunned Gary Streisky. I was like, wait, Julio Jones caught touchdowns for who? Against who? Yeah. What? They signed him when? October? Yeah, I mean, Julio was a supernova. He burned really, really bright, really, really hot. But, of course, injuries, he had bad feet. Injuries have always been a thing. Um, so it seems like because you've been hearing the name Julio for so long that he would be old. But the truth is he just had a really fire hot, like four or five, you know, season run. Um, but unfortunately, it's always going to go down that injuries ended what would have been, I think, a potential Hall of Fame career. He I was, was just about incredible. to ask you if he was a Hall of Famer, if in your eyes he was a Hall of Famer. I think he's for sure a Falcons ring of famer. Okay. Uh, but no, I don't think, I don't think, I think because of the injuries, I mean, he missed significant time with injuries every single year. He missed time with injury. That's uh, and, and so I don't, I don't think he is because of that, but he's certainly, I believe a, a Falcons hall of famer. Quick ADD tour, because we were having this conversation last week when Amari Cooper went absolutely crazy for 265 yards uh, for the Browns against the Texans is both Amari Cooper and or Mike Evans Hall of Famer. I think the latter 100% is in Mike Evans down there in Tampa. Mm -hmm. 10, 12,000 yard seasons, Super Bowl champion. All he does is produce. Is Amari Cooper in a mm. conversation? 10 seasons, six of which he's gone over 1,000 yards. One of only two players in NFL history who has caught for over 200 yards in a game with three different franchises, Raiders, Cowboys, now the Browns, will he be in the conversation? Well, I mean, certainly I think the conversation, but again, especially when it comes to receivers and these guys now get a little bit of a, I guess a little bit of a, a mark off if you were on asterisk, just because they're putting up these numbers, but they're also doing it in an incredibly pass happy time. Right. So mm -hmm. sometimes people sort of write that off. And I do think the line of demarcation nowadays same conversation that we have for pro Eli is championships, right? Yes. So Mari Cooper needs to win. Yeah. And the way the Browns are playing, <laughs> don't rule it out. <laughs> I love Cleveland Stranger right now. Stranger things have happened. Stranger things have happened. I mean, we've definitely seen teams that have no offense or at least that not be their strong suit, no real quarterback, um, win Super Bowls before. You know, we, I mean, we saw it. Well, God, I guess the last time we saw it would be the Trent, Ravens. Trent Dilfer? Trent yeah. Dilfer's Ravens? Yeah, the, the yeah. Trent Dilfer Ravens, right? I mean, you know, we, we always like to bring up like the Brad Johnson Bucks. Those guys could um, spin it. What about the Super Bowl not too long ago? Where what was it? The Patriots who beat the Rams 10 to 3? Yeah, he was horrible, but they did it with Tom Brady. I yeah, mean, that's it wasn't, true, true. You true, know, true. it's like he was a guy. Nick Foles, you know, although he was spinning it for the Eagles when he yeah. came. So I don't know. Last extension of an ADD tour, how poetic would it be for Joe Flacco? Guy got called off the bench. The Jets were like, huh, we don't need you. We don't want you. For Joe Flacco, former yeah. Super Bowl MVP with the now Super Bowl favorite Ravens, takes care of business in the playoffs. And somehow the stars align where he plays the Ravens in the playoffs <laughs> and, and sends his old team home. That'd be insane. It yeah, it would be crazy. I also do not see it happening. The Ravens are the most complete team in the NFL. They're the only they're team in the NFL. Sick. Yeah, they're the only team in the NFL where you're like, okay, I feel really good about them. I mean, every single time you're going, well, let me see if they can hit this next mark or make this, you know, check this next box. And yeah. they do. They embarrassed who we thought was the most complete team in the NFL in the Niners. And then a week later, embarrassed who was supposed to be one of the top seeds in their own conference. So I think yeah, they smoked them. 
They smoked them. They're just, they're playing so incredibly well. Uh, Lamar is, is working really well in this Todd Munkin offense. They picked it up. Well, Todd Munkin's really playing to their strengths. I think he pretty much solidified the MVP conversation yeah. as well, because I mean, if you think about the guys that he's competing with Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy, Tua Tungavailoa, Tyreek Hill, he just beat all of them on his way to a perfect passer rating and five touchdowns. Let's also, let's not do this though. Listen, what would be a fun story short? Let's not do this whole thing as though like Joe Flacco, like good for that guy. That guy was the epitome of, he was a good quarterback, not a great quarterback. He had the best year of his freaking life, his contract year. He wins a Super Bowl. He wins Super Bowl MVP. He gets paid. He had plenty of opportunities. In fact, Joe Flacco has had tons of opportunities to do exactly what he's doing now, and he has not done that. He was given a huge opportunity in Denver. So let's not act like... Poor Joe Flacco. I hope he can get his just desserts. The guy got paid, rightfully so at the time. It didn't end up ultimately meaning much. He didn't have the career that maybe he believed he would, or at least he showed that year that they won the Super Bowl. But this isn't, you know, some grievance tour. I mean, let's not do this. You know, I was wondering, I was like, why is El so staunchly opposed to Joe Flacco getting his shine right now? Then I saw it. And then I remembered. Joe Flacco was quarterback for the Broncos for Correct. a like short you, period yeah. of time. And you are still holding a grudge, L. It's 2024. It's time to let those – it's time to let that go. All right, the Broncos got a whole host of other problems right now. Exactly. But that's the problem, <laughs> though, Gary, is that that's always – since <laughs> since, Peyton. since Peyton left, that's been the problem. Everything is just in an fact, issue. In fact, like, honestly – the quarterback has been a huge issue for the Broncos since drafting Elway. Like since drafting Elway, well, they didn't draft Elway since getting since Elway. getting him. Yes, yeah, since yeah. getting him. Right, That's forty years now. Correct, and let me tell you why. Because he retires. And they don't get it right. They get Brian Greasy. It doesn't really work out. They get Jake Plummer. It doesn't really work out. They were not saved. Until Peyton Manning, an already established Hall of Famer, was convinced to come to Denver because of John Elway. Okay. So he comes there and we have some great years. And then he leaves and yet again, swinging a miss over and over and over and over and over. And that is a problem. They have basically been good two times in 40 years. And you don't even have to be good to evaluate Peyton Manning. <laughs> They've been good one time in 40 years at evaluating quarterbacks once in 40 years it's insane to me and so yes like the problem with this situation right now is between russell wilson and sean payton which is so embarrassing right because it's, listen it's so messy gary you're from denver like the broncos have had down years and lean years and all of those things but the broncos are not a messy organization they're, they're not. not this is not them this has mm -mm. never been them they don't want this smoke they don't want this heat but this is what happens when there is no organizational structure when there's no one leading the charge mm -hmm. and we all know what unfortunately happened to the bolins what happened to pat bolin as he was deteriorating over the last 10 years there was a struggle mm -hmm. between his children there was no real direction for this team so they just put it all on john elway and at the time joe ellis their ceo and they were just like you guys got it without any trust or understanding of whether they were really great at evaluating talent or being great front office people and they realized well we're not 
We suck at this. We're kind of an aimless shit. Where are we going? So they give the reins to George Payton. But again, because there was no real structure, they couldn't even decide if they wanted to do that. So there was a struggle over who was going to be able to come in and who. So they bring in George Payton from the Vikings. And because there is no established Denver way anymore, especially with the sale of the Broncos, George Payton thinks, A, let me go bring in Russell Wilson, who, by the way, this isn't Russell Wilson's fault, okay? We can laugh and cringe at the jokes and the catchphrases and the subway commercials and all of those things. He is the same quarterback right now on the Broncos that he was on the Seahawks. It's why Mina Kimes texted me laughing <laughs> when we traded for him. Good luck. <laughs> like, she literally was like, enjoy. <laughs> I mean, she was. Like, she was like, good for you guys. That's adorbs. Like, he's the same person, Gary. You let George Payton give that man a seven-year deal before he took a single snap for Denver. You literally outbid yourself. There was not some huge market for Russ. You outbid yourself to such a degree that you have handicapped this team for years. And then, and then George Payton, you decide that with everything happening at the quarterback position, you're going to go bring in Sean Payton, a guy yeah. who you know is oil and water with a guy like Russell Wilson. And if you don't know that, then you didn't do any of your homework. So what happens? You bring in a guy like Sean Payton, who A, is messy and will put you in the headlines and will say those things like Nathaniel Hackett is the worst coach we've ever had. And then will throw his quarterback under the bus and scream at him on the sideline and do all of those things. Sean Payton has had it out for Russell Wilson since the beginning. And at first I was like, okay, I get that he's sort of trying to do the punch him in the mouth thing, right? Bruce Arians a little bit did that with Tom Brady the first few games of the season in Tampa, where he was basically like, he's just a guy, right? I respected that a little bit. Okay. But now you're just bullying a dude who did not give himself that stupid contract, who is playing exactly within the limits of who he is now. Mm -hmm. And you're bullying him. And you're doing it in such a way that you are embarrassing this organization. Yeah. You're asking this man to play. We And we find out. We're over here thinking we, we've got this feel-good story of the year. Like, oh, the Broncos were down and out. They got beat, you know, by 70 points by the Dolphins. They're an embarrassment. Look how they turn things around. They're winning all these games. And to find out that the whole time you were doing that and pretending like winning was important to you. You were on the side asking Russell Wilson to change his contract terms because you realized you made a mistake and you wanted him to bail you out for it. Are you insane? This is so frustrating, Gary, because it's just, we are, it's as bad as it gets. I said that Carolina was, you know, the worst organization, maybe so, but to think about, where Denver used to be yep. and to think about where we are now, this is pathetic. The Broncos, I remember a time when I was living there that the Broncos would be held in regard in terms of the way they ran their franchise and the way Pat Boland conducted business around the league and amongst his peers that it was like the, it was the chiefs. It was the Steelers. And then the Broncos weren't too far away from drawing those comparisons as far as how a franchise should be ran. And now it's easy to, to read these headlines and see this drama play out. Russell Wilson being asked that direct question to him straight up being like, yeah, they came to me after the loss and asked me to restructure. I said, no, it's easy to read that, digest it and have a reaction. But there are 53 dudes in that locker room every single day, one being Russell Wilson, who has to walk in there knowing that the coach 
hates your guts and you still have to just like be there. It's just so awkward. Right. And we're not having a boohoo fest for a lot of these guys. And people are going to say, Oh, they get paid millions. If it's a starter, if it's a backup, whatever, it's just awkward, man. It's just weird being in a place and forced to be in a place up until you're not there anymore that, you know, you are not welcome and you are not wanted. It's so awkward to me. And it's, well, it's awkward in any situation, Gary, but it's, it's, it's ridiculous in this situation because you're doing that while these guys risk their lives and their health, yeah. risk injury, risk all of those things. You're asking them to go out there and lay it out online physically for you when you know, when they know this is yeah. heading for a divorce, when they know you don't want them there anymore. And it just is, it's, it's a huge swing and a miss on the organization. I think George Payton is the problem here. I think he put and orchestrated this whole thing. He's to blame for the Russell Wilson debacle. He's to blame for Sean Payton's hiring. Who, listen, I think Sean Payton could and, and be a good coach. We've already proven and established that he's a good coach. Mm -hmm. I think he could potentially do some things in Denver if he had the ability to, but he does not. We have no draft capital. We've got no money. This team is hamstrung for the next two to three years. And, um, and the idea that this is the way that we're going to move on from the Russell Wilson era is just, it feels... It doesn't feel good. I've never been the biggest fan. I told you weeks ago, Russ wasn't cooking. Russ was just sort of mm -hmm. hot plating it. Uh, but this is just not the way. And um, and it's a total and complete embarrassment. So get it together, Broncos, okay? Get it the <laughs> together. We mentioned the playoffs. The playoffs are finally here. Hell yeah. Uh, it's bowl season. We know that. I'm wearing my Georgia shirt. Go dogs. Although Come on. Yeah, was... listen, okay. I'm 100 percent with Kirby Smart, who after Georgia's total and complete dismantling of Florida State on Saturday, had this to say. People need to see what happened tonight, and they need to fix this. It needs to be fixed. It's very unfortunate that they, who has a good football team and a good football program, are in the position they're in. And everybody can say it's their fault and it's still their own problem. All right. And everybody can say that we had our guys and they didn't have their guys. I can listen to all that. But college football has got to decide what they want. He's right. And like, here's my thing, Gary. I was clear and I have been clear. I did not think that Florida State belonged in the final four. Um, I did believe that Georgia belonged in the final four. But I also understood that losing to Alabama was going to shore that up. But. This game, and I stood by even before this game, was never going to be indicative or predictive of how they were going to play. Like, please don't ever get it twisted that like this was not I kept, you know, people kept like texting me like, see, there you go. You were right. They shouldn't have been in the playoffs. I'm like, no, 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 no. That was a very, very different team. The Knowles didn't have their top two quarterbacks, their top two running backs, top two receivers, their starting tight end, three starting defensive linemen, two of their three starting linebackers and three of their starting defensive backs. They were down. 29 scholarship players in all and Kirby's right save for the playoffs expanding to 12 games which of course is going to happen or 12 teams which is going to happen next year we'll have six games what's going on with the other bowls right like these kids are going to have to start deciding how important these bowl games are to them I understand it's a business you don't want to risk injury we're not going to see some of these guys because to Florida State's point what's the point you robbed us of any opportunity to really play for something this season, mm -hmm. so we're not coming. But it is a mess. The good news is we've cut all the fat out, and now we have arrived. Tonight, Michigan-Alabama, 
Texas, Washington. We will have a national championship game set tonight. Who do you think's taking it in the early game between Alabama, Michigan? I think Alabama wins the whole damn thing. Give yeah. me Alabama. They're clicking on all cylinders at the right time. Jalen Milrose benching in September was the best thing that could have happened to the Crimson Tide. Um, yeah, I think I've been on record as saying I think he should have gotten an invite to New York for the Heisman ceremony. I think um, the way Michigan reacted to getting the draw from Alabama is indicative of just how much nobody wants Alabama. J.J. McCarthy came out and said, oh, no, no, we just said we 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 just exhaled like that because we were surprised that Florida State didn't get in. Yeah, blah, 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 blah. Nobody wants Bama. And we're going to see why tonight when the tide win by double digits. Yeah, I think that like definitely the humans are loving um, Bama more than the computers are. Mm -hmm. um, just because I just don't think, you know, you can't trust Michigan. And like the thing is, Michigan has been, I think, of course, the most complete team all year, even mm -hmm. though they're starting to see some of their offensive numbers decline a little bit as the season's gone on. They've played better defenses and stuff like that. They're not as explosive, but they've been the most consistent team. Certainly, they've been the most well-rounded team. I just think when it comes to the postseason, they just keep underachieving, right? Like, they finally got to the CFP in 2021. They were seven-and-a-half-point dogs to Georgia, and then Georgia roused them. And then last year, they were seven-and-a-half-point favorites, and they were down 19 before they had to storm all the way back just to make it tight against TCU. So I think people just don't trust that Michigan's going to be able to do this. Then there's always the rumors, or at least the rumors right now that Harbaugh's, you know, considering moving on and like he's meeting mm -hmm. with agents and things like that. So I definitely think like, it's just about Alabama. They're the undertaker, you know, it's yes. like you can never count them out. Um, I'm much more interested in sort of what it looks like for that Texas-Washington game. That game's going to be incredible. I think so, too, right? Like, yeah. Texas's bread and butter has been jumping out to really big leads early on. They've played 11 power uh, conference opponents this season, and they've led by nine of them by double digits by the mm -hmm. first half. So, like, that's the thing that they like to do. Um Washington wins close games. I think they've had like seven, uh, you know, one score games that they've won. Obviously, they've won all of them. This is going to be a really good one, in particular when you consider for Texas, right? Like the quarterback matchups here. You've got Michael Penix Jr., of course, and then you've got Quinn Ewers. And I find this to be so intriguing that Texas football, you know, they are a game away from going back to the national championship. Like this is a huge thing. They're heading to the SEC like next year. Quinn Ewers has played fantastic, and they're still just clamoring for Arch Manning. I mean, he yes. was still the hottest thing at media day. I mean, he like, was home. He was home. They are. They love this kid so much. Yeah. And I just find this. I, so I'm really interested to see how Quinn Ewers responds, right? Like, yes. are you going to be the guy that looks Arch Manning in the face and goes, you might have to make some tough decisions, sir, because, like, I'm not going anywhere. You know, like, Facts. what what's he going to do with his back against the wall while they are literally clamoring for this kid, despite the fact that he's got them a game away from a title game? I'm just intrigued. I like this game for a lot of those reasons. And again, if I would have had a Heisman vote, it would have gone to Michael Penix Jr. I like his weapons, Jalen Polk and Roman Duze on the outside. It's been a long time since we've seen them play a football game. They are going to be well-rested and ready to go. I think that the national championship matchups in my head would still be awesome if it was Alabama, obviously stalwart SEC team going up against this sexy Washington team who can light up a scoreboard just like with the, with the best of them in the country, or what I'm likening to the freaking Budweiser heavy game, Alabama 
Texas. Oh yeah, that's you know the what game. I'm saying? Yeah, like that's, that's just the game. That's, that's the just game. Bud Heavy, Jack and Coke. Like that's such a college football game that nobody would be upset about. Also, on the flip side, I don't think anybody will be upset. Alabama, Washington, too, to see those teams go at it. So either way, we got a hell of a lineup um, tonight. And yeah, I think uh, I think no matter who comes out of it, college football fans are going to be happy with this January 8th national championship. Going to be great. I can't wait. I'll be down there, too. I'm hosting all the concerts. So come see me. Night January one, 8th in Houston? Yeah, night one, Kids Bop. So I expect not oh. to see you there, or I'd find that to be quite creepy. Although, if you oh. want to audition, you could so slide in there. It'd be right in your lane. Night <laughs> two, Jack Harlow and Lotto. Shut up. Night Nuh-uh. three, some country artists. Oh, who? John Party. John Party. Get your heartache on the dance floor, heartache on the dance Yeah, you really blew my mind. Hopefully he doesn't sound like that. That hurts. I'm right here, L. That hurts. Yo, you know what you would not win in our senior superlatives? Best voice. That's a fact, because you know what I did win in my senior superlatives? I actually went, I went two for two. I, I had best personality, but they didn't give it to me because I was in a tie with my friend Drew Page, so they gave me Mr. Trojan Hottie. That's right. Mr. Trojan Hottie? Me and Jocelyn Torres, Mr. and Mrs. Trojan Hottie. Oh, That's right. wow. Your boy used to have it back in the day. What'd you win, senior superlative? Wittiest. I get that. I can see that. <laughs> I can see that. It followed you, you to adulthood. Yeah, yeah. Um, so did your hottiest. Hot- oh. Hottiest. Oh. <laughs> okay, so there were like the standard senior superlatives, you know, most yes. likely to succeed and stuff. And then there were just like the ones that we made up like on the side, you know, most likely to spend some time in jail before they're 21, stuff like that. So we figured yes. we would sort of apply that same measures to sports. And we oh, yes. some superlatives from this last year as we officially put 2023 in the books. And I will start with essentially what I won for, class clown. And that goes to Dolphins head coach, Mike McDaniel. He's the first millennial coach. I mean, not the first millennial coach, but he is the first coach who I think a lot of millennials can be like, oh my God, he's one of us. Like Sean oh, yeah. McDay is a millennial. Sean McVay is a millennial. Lafleur is a millennial. There's a lot of millennial coaches, but Mike McDaniel is a millennial. <laughs> he is the first coach in the history of the NFL to me that I've looked at him and been like, for sure that dude's tried a gravity bong. <laughs> you say tried as if it's past tense, like he doesn't do it like all the time. Like he may have a gravity bong case, you know what I mean? Allegedly. <laughs> Damn. All right, you go. All right. uh, Best nickname. This is something that you put me on. Puka Doncic. Oh, yeah. Puka Nakua. What an incredible season for the rookie fifth rounder out of BYU. Um, Got those Rammies in the playoffs. Puka Doncic is making, uh, making some hay. Honorable mention. Do you know what the Chet Holmgren fan base calls themselves? Oh, yes. Yeah, <laughs> say it. The, the cheterosexuals? Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> That's so funny. It's actually great. That's so good. Cheterosexuals. Uh, best nickname. Honorable mention. There it is. Yeah. In fact, I think that might be the best nickname, actually. All right. Yes. How about the biggest glow up? I'm giving it to the Nuggets. They got their first title, made their yes. first finals appearance, and then got their first title. And you know, potentially shrieking towards another one. Looks like we're going to have another Doncic versus Embiid MVP battle. So I love that for Denver. Go off, sis. I love that. Uh, Denver is rolling. Everything that the Joker 
is saying is just reinforcing the fact that he only plays basketball because it's a good paycheck. <laughs> He's yeah, like, exactly. I, I can't wait to retire and nobody He's remembers like, I hate me. Y'all. <laughs> yeah, facts. All right. Um, Biggest flirt is Justin Fields, just based off of what he's been doing and what mm-hmm. Chicago is going to have to deal with. So let me get one. Ah, most likely to have to give up chicken wings for two months. <laughs> the, the Detroit Pistons, oh, who man. finally, after two months, won a basketball game, yeah. not just for themselves, but for the great city of Detroit, who can now go redeem those five free wings at Wingstop for yeah. the first time since October 28th. Yeah. <laughs> Finally, they've had a, a wing uh, supply. So yes. there's so many. I don't I hope that they're fresh. I hope they were refrigerated. Yes. Um. All right. How about most likely to show up late to class? And that would be the Steelers. I believe they now have four fourth quarter comebacks in the season. So we like that. They're definitely a team, though, that slow starter, a little bit of yes. a failure to launch. Oh, which can be detrimental as you get older. All right. Here we go. Biggest stoner, Aaron Rodgers. He's got me wanting to dabble in ayahuasca. I don't even know how to get it. I'm not going to Google it, especially not on a company uh, device. But Aaron Rodgers, man, he's just becoming super zen. All right, um, this is the last one I have. Most likely to get canceled. (laughs) Goes to our friend, Pat McAfee. Maybe slash Reese Davis if we play it right here. Jalen Milrow often wears his own branded apparel reading LANK across the front. It's an acronym that stands for Let a Naysayer Know. Being told by his former offensive coordinator, that Bill O'Brien. That is not what I thought. Is that not what you thought? Boy, let a naysayer know. Let a naysayer know. <laughs> of course. The professional's right in the middle of his lead. <laughs> That's all right. I just keep I thought going. you almost lost me. <laughs> <laughs> Tight up here, as you were. <laughs> See, I actually think Gary that this is a, a perfect example of why they won't get canceled because they knew exactly how to navigate that conversation whilst tiptoeing around the line and not crossing it. Reese Davis, perfect execution. Because I'm, I'm like Pat. Like as he was saying it, when the, he was like the acronym is Lank, I was like, yeah, let it know. And he was like, let a naysay or no. And Here's the here's a little inside for you guys. Oh my god. These gosh. are the kinds of things whenever people start, you know, throwing around, oh, what is this person's value and why are you paying this person this? That kind of fodder is always rampant when it comes to these big media personalities. But that example right there of what Pat McAfee did is why he's such a big presence on ESPN. Because if he wasn't there, likely no one would have said anything and they would have snickered about it in the commercial break or once they went to sound, whatever it was. Nobody else would have probably interrupted Reese Davis's on Camry to go, we didn't know where you were going there, Reese. Which, of course, made a very organic, funny segment. The director listened and then decided to go wide. Everyone's laughing. Like, that is the kind of unpredictable television that you pay for when you bring in an entertainer like a Pat McAfee. For moments like that. The unpredictable nature of what he does. And I thought it was hilarious. It was quite funny. Yeah. Reese Davis, the consummate pro. I've got one more. Most likely... To need witness protection. And that, oh. of course, is Brad Allen, oh. referee behind. Did yep. he declare gate with the Lions? He is the CEO of a nonprofit in North Carolina, and I've already said too much. 
Oh no. Yep. 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 Mm -hmm. Not for profit, <laughs> but my guy had some bets in. <laughs> Damn. Heavy accusation. Allegedly. Allegedly. Just throw in allegedly a lot and we're fine. We're yes. Oh, mm -hmm. I have a funny um, story. Okay. Based off of the, the naysayer talk. Okay. Did I ever tell you the time that I was given the pass? Uh, no, but we are at the hour mark of this show. And in the hopes that it doesn't get caught out, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to have you use that as a deep tease for Thursday's show. <laughs> okay, Elle. On Thursday, I will tell you about the time that I got the pass. Okay. <laughs> With Come that, on. we'll see you on Thursday where we will hear about Gary getting the pass and also we'll have a title game set. So we'll preview that. We'll see you then. Go dogs. Peace.